Well, this morning we are going to break format. We're going to start with an acknowledgement of Tony Bolin and his fabulous holiday poem that he recited for us. It's a wonderful list. Keith, what uh, what's your thought on on Tony other than uh, un- unadored praises? Well, plenty of that, but you know, Tony is our poet laureate and um, you know, he's he's over the years, it's a, tradi- a Christmas tradition for Northwest radio folks to listen to Tony write and then recite uh, one of his holiday works. And he does such a great job of tying in what life is like for a media salesperson and the holidays and the spirit of Christmas and the promise of a new year. And he never lets us down. And the current edition, which is called It's a Wonderful List, is uh, is, is still up on our Vimeo uh, page, right? And uh, you can still see it in our catalog of podcasts on on all your favorite podcast sites, Apple, Spotify, and elsewhere. It was our most viewed episode ever. And we've been doing this for about a year and a quarter. So don't miss out on the fun. Tony's brilliant, but also inspiring. So it's not just fun and games with Tony. It's, It's inspiring you to think about your job, your importance as a salesperson, and what that means to the property you're representing. So don't miss Tony's It's a Wonderful List. All right, enough of our shameless promotion for everything we're doing here on Media Insultant. Uh, today, what we want to talk about is big billing numbers. Are they always worthwhile? Uh, more AM stations are biting the dust, and we think that's okay, mm-hmm. or I do. And an update on personnel changes from Keith, who keeps an eye on these kind of things. Good morning with our media opinions and comments. I am Jackson Weaver here in the Emerald City of Seattle and in sunny Southern Cal, it's Keith Samuels. Welcome to a new year of Media Insultant. Not consultants, Media Insultants. Welcome to the Thursday, January 6th episode of Media Insultant. You know, Keith, Tuesday this week on Media Insultant, we talked about Beasley's news talk station that erroneously aired an EAS signal and is liable for maybe as much as a $20,000 fine. Well, I got to tell you a personal story. A few years ago, I owned a station in Salt Lake City, and I got to tell you, we were struggling. Uh, Payroll was coming up, and I wasn't panicked, but anybody who's ever operated a business knows what I'm talking about. You know, you are always thinking about your next payroll. It's always two weeks away, and it's just a real work. Well, one day I'm working on, you know, figuring out how I'm going to meet payroll, and this tall, lanky guy walks in. He's got cowboy dudes on with a a vest, cowboy hat, cowboy boots, and he wants to buy a 30-minute block of time on our radio station. He has evidently a political religious program he wants to air. Well, we normally didn't take any block programming on the radio station, but before I could explain that to him, he plunked ten thousand dollars cash on my desk. Back when you could, uh, back when you could have ten thousand dollars cash without getting arrested. So, what is it? Your new morning man? <laughs> well, we gave him the five thirty to six block for three months. I made payroll. Mm. Things got a lot easier after that. The truth is, and this comes back to what Beasley's run into. I never listened to what he wanted to air. I never even considered what the content would be. All I know is I had to meet payroll, and you know, I was, I was, I didn't have much choice. I, and I was, it was really, I was really lax of me. I, I look back on that, and that's it was okay because he was pretty innocuous. You know, he had the normal end of days, commies in D.C. He wasn't even selling anything. I think he just wanted to be on the radio. 
So, so he was speaking the truth. Yeah, yeah, okay. Right. And, <laughs> and I'm, I'm sympathetic with what Beasley went through. And, and frankly, what all block stations suffer when they accept a program. No one has time to go through it. And I just, uh, yeah. you know, they get hit with an occasional fine price of doing business. But I thought I'd bring it back to a little bit of a personal story. Yeah, well, and we'll talk about, you know, the state of AM here in a moment. But, you know, you can, if, if you're running an AM station and it's, you know, it's the – You've got five or six radio stations you're running in a city, and uh, like Beasley is in Las Vegas, and you've got this, you know, very little listenership to this this AM station KDWN. Really, the only way you can make money and make the operation pay and keep it on the air is to sell block hours to these guys, and you know, uh, and hope for yep, the best. Yep. And uh, weekends have turned into a real revenue source for. For a lot of AM stations. Speaking of revenue, oh, Keith, yeah. there's a clever transition. Uh, who's the big dog, Keith, at least in radio billing? Well, while we were on our Christmas break, and I don't know why it was released this late in the year. Usually it's a fall release, but BIA uh, does an annual uh, uh, survey, a rundown, a, uh, a collection of data where they release um, the much-awaited Top 10 billing radio stations in America. That is the top 10 revenue generating radio stations in America and what that dollar amount was. And they finally released the 2020 figures in December of 21. So hopefully we won't have to wait that long for the 2021 figures, but the results were stunning. Now remember, they were measuring revenue for 2020, right, which was a really okay. tough this was year. The year this was this was, this was the COVID year. This was from March until the end of the year, COVID lockdowns, you know, all of the, you know, bad, but there was an election and the election had a significant impact on it. But the top dog this year for the eighth time in the last nine years and the, in the fourth year in a row was WTOP in Washington, D.C. And WTOP is a big news talk station in Washington, D.C., and their revenue was $62 million in a COVID year, all right? Their revenue only dropped by 11% from 2019. So 2019 was the last normal year in radio, and their revenue dropped $7,800,000, okay? 11%. That's a big loss for WTOP, who's always doing around... 69 65 million dollars a year but you know what theirs was far less of a loss than anybody else in the ranker number two was kiss fm here in la 102.7 ryan seacrest in the morning iheart media's you know greatest radio station when revenue dropped 35 percent their revenue figures were down 21 million dollars from 2019 to 38.9s. They were almost 40 million, but they lost 21 million in revenue. It's stunning. It's unbelievable how they did this. You know, and they're still number two. That shows you how bad it was for everybody else. And basically what we're talking about are these top 10 radio stations in America are all out of New York, LA, Chicago, and this year, Just uh, Atlanta snuck right. in. Mm -hmm. And WBZ was back in there again this year from, from Boston. But WSB goes out of nowhere, not even in the top 10, maybe not even in the top 15 or top 20, but they did 30 million. So you know they raked in an avalanche of 
Georgia political dollars between the general election, the runoff, and everybody pumping money into Atlanta. Well, the folks at Cox cleaned up, <laughs> and WSB did $30 million. I think it's the greatest revenue year they've ever had in their history. The top 10 radio stations, were their revenue decreased, added up together $122 million from 2019. So 2020 was a horrible year for the best radio stations, I can only imagine what it was like for the next tier, the middle tier radio stations or the bottom tier radio stations literally just got crushed because these stations are going to suck up most of the revenue. I, I can't imagine what it was like for somebody down the ranker in Chicago, in New York, in LA, in, in, and anywhere else. Oh man, I saw this list and it was just stunning to me how... Uh, how, how significant the revenue losses were in 2020. Well, and I think everybody is uh, hoping to get back up to 2019 levels in 2022. And, you know, they're they're scrambling to do that. And I think there's a good chance this year we'll see them get back to the 2019 levels. Maybe not in every market, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, but you, you, they're dig, they have to dig out of a big they hole. Do. And, and, and that's where I'm worried about it is that, you know, you just don't, you just don't lose. Tw- well, a lot of this stuff for, for uh, Z100 New York, a lot of the stuff for KISS FM, um, you know, was event revenue. You know, you lose Wango Tango, you lose Jingle Ball, you lose a couple of big events and you're going to lose a lot of revenue. Those, those, those came back in 21. Hopefully they'll be back even stronger in 22. But I think that's what everybody's looking at is will, how close did they get in 21 to 2019? And oh, no. We're going to get there in 2022. Well, you got to work hard to do it. We'll see. But kudos to Matt Mills and his team at WTOP in Washington, D.C. Matt's the DOS there. Um, you know, he's been there for decades. He's done an incredible job. Joel Oxley, the GM, who we've talked about before. Um, they just, it's, it's an incredible operation, and it's the most unique radio station when it comes to sales in, in America, uh, of any media property in America, because of their influence on politics and their influence on procurement by the government you know you got you got radio reps at WTOP who go out and do sales calls with Raytheon right. or with McDonald Douglas or well, you know these big defense yeah. contractors and, and, and it's like people you you know radio reps you never conceive of being able to do that they do that all day long at WTOP and rake in big dollars all the big political causes they're they're a machine when it comes to selling ads that people in the government, elected officials and appointed officials all listen to. And Joel and Matt have figured out a way to, to garner so much of that revenue that they were really literally COVID proof. Yeah, they were. You know, in 2020. And uh, it's an amazing job. You know, and, and it's and it's all funny because, you know, I remember, t- I, remember t- I remember training Matt when he was a local seller at WASH, the big AC station in Washington, D.C., along with, Matt, with Ralph Renzi, who's running Cox or you know Miami and they were baby reps for Mark O'Brien and Melissa Houston I couldn't be more proud I was working with them back in the 90s and and, and to see these guys just really grow and, and dominate their business is just really special so well, we've got some other uh, personnel moves that you want to talk about here in just a minute but first you know we've been seeing it for a couple of years now Keith one at a time AM radio stations are signing off and turning their licenses back into the FCC uh, last yeah. year, for example, four AM stations in St. Louis, the FCC had that licenses had gone back to the FCC. The FCC puts them up for bid, and they didn't receive a single bid. 
And so now, just in the last couple of weeks, is the end of last year, four more AM stations are shutting down. Now, none of them are really in major markets. I mean, you know, the biggest is probably Grand Rapids. But, you know, the other markets are places like Farmville, Virginia, or Lake Charles, Louisiana. But, you know, even in Houston, ExtraVision or Intravision sold their signal at 1180 for 125,000, 50,000 watt station for 125,000 in Houston, which is what, the number seventh market in the country? So the sad demise of AM continues, but I don't think it's all so sad. What do you think? Yeah, well, it makes me think that there were too many AM stations to begin with. So your point probably is that it's cleaning up the AM dial a little bit, making it easier for neighboring stations. But it's kind of sad because, okay, Boomer, you know, you grow up on AM radio, listening to these massive clear channel radio stations from around the country late at night on your transistor radio in your room, and you could pick up, you know, XERB and, you know, uh, Wolfman Jack from Tijuana when I'm, you know, in San Francisco, or you're picking up KMOX in St. Louis that's covering, you know, three quarters of the United States. You know, that had that had a lot of value back in the day, and it just doesn't have the value that it, it just once doesn't, did. It just doesn't, it's it just doesn't matter. That's yeah. exactly right. It just doesn't matter. And with some of the new hybrid coming along, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're 5,000 watts or 50,000 watts. Uh, and the same is going to go for FM, you know, because the hybrid yeah. will mix both your stream and your over-the-air signal, and, and it won't make any difference. But, uh, you know, with the new year coming, there are going to be some new personnel changes. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I know you've got a, a little list here you want to run through. You keep an <laughs> well, eye on this stuff. You keep, know, I keep, Bring us up to speed. What's going on? Yeah, well, the end of the year was no shortage of, uh, of, of people moving and grooving. And, uh, you know, I, I continue to, to stand by. We're waiting for Scott Sutherland to make his hire for the market manager job for Bonneville, Denver. That's the biggest job in radio unfilled right now. And that is, uh, that's following the, the retirement of Bob Call this last fall. Uh, back in November, um, Scott promoted Ryan Hatch to be the market manager for, uh, for Bonneville, uh, Phoenix. But the job in Denver is, is continued to be open. So it's been open since mid-October, but it's still open. It's a job still open, and Scott's got to find somebody to take it. Um, but a couple of other things happened. Uh, Salem, the uh, CEO at Attinger, long, Atzinger, longtime CEO of Salem Broadcasting, has kind of semi-retired. He's become executive chairman. But that means that one of the good guys in radio, um, David Santrella, was running the radio division. Now he's the CEO of the entire company. Mm-hmm. So good for David. Kudos. Congratulations to him. iHeart promoted Don Martin, who's their lord of all sports radio. And Don has been the uh, the programming guy behind KLAC here in Los Angeles that's half owned by the Dodgers. And they made a big announcement that he's now overseeing all of iHeart's network radio, all of their local sports stations, and a big promotion and he's got like senior executive, massive, big shot VP guy. And he also gets to keep his old job as program director of KLAC in Los Angeles. So he's got, they go, Don, we got some good news. You got, you got three times the work. And the bad news is you got to do your old job too, which he's done in his sleep anyway. But, you know, the funny thing about Don is the coincidence about Don is that he's married to Robin Bertolucci. And Robin is the program director, longtime PD at KFI. So, you know, hey, the, the talk radio runs in this household, and they happen to oversee a lot of successful talk radio. Ryan Seacrest, it was, there was a big write-up about Ryan, my ex-next-door neighbor, who now at age 46 
is starting to slow down. So you're going to see Ryan kind of peel back on some of his job responsibilities. So we'll see what how that affects uh, his radio show, which I think he'll keep forever. I don't think he wants to let go of that. But at the same time, iHeart gives Abdul DJ AO Hashem another job. This guy's got three jobs at iHeart. Okay, Jackson. He's the program director for iHeart, one of iHeart stations in Vegas. He's the program director for one of their iHeart stations in Miami. And he's also a music director for their alternative station here in L.A. So he's got three gigs because, you know what? One's not enough. Just pity the other three guys that, that are out of work as a result. But uh, in any case, we're keeping our eye on all the personnel moves around America. Next week, we'll talk about some TV stuff. So we'll make sure we get uh, up to date on all the rocking and rolling in TV. We'll do that. And since Ryan Seacrest was uh, formerly your next door neighbor, uh, he called me the other day and said, next time I talk to you, would I please remind you that you still have his lawnmower? So if you'd yeah. get his lawnmower back to him, I think he'd be really grateful. In the meantime, <laughs> let me put it to you this way. Let me put it to you this way. Back then at that house, there is no lawn and Ryan was never pushing a lawnmower. Okay. So, but he's still a great neighbor. That's so, all that counts. But you know, that wake, that, that, yeah, he, he, you know, he'd leave, he'd leave the house at 430 in the morning. It was our wake up call. Our bedroom window is next to his house and he'd fire up the DB9, the Aston Martin DB9. He'd fire that baby up, few revs, and then off to the uh, KISS studios he'd go. And I'd look at my watch and go, or look at the clock and go, well, it's 4.30. Ryan's off Time to work. To get up. I get another hour's worth of sleep. <laughs> All right, Keith. Well, let's wrap it. Media Insultant is a production of In Town Media. We specialize in interim broadcast management. Our next show is next Tuesday. Until then, have a good weekend and a happy new year again to you, Keith. Thanks again, Jackson. 2022 is going to be action-packed. <laughs>